Hello, Lions family. It's Jeff Risen from the Detroit Lions podcast and Lions Wire coming to you on Draft Eve. That's right, folks. We've made it to the 2023 NFL Draft. Kicks off in a little over 24 hours from when I'm recording this. Look, we have a lot of questions about what's going to happen. I hopefully have a few answers that help clarify what might happen. But first, the intro. Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. All right. Uh, Chris and I unfortunately could not coordinate to get a live show done, so I'm going to do just a little video here uh, that walks you through where my head is at going into the draft. Uh, keep in mind uh, that uh, I, I, I've said this before. I said it on the live show that Chris and I did the other night when we did our, our live mock draft with Gray. We don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, I don't think anybody really knows what's going to happen with either the Lions picks or what's happening before it. Uh, I do still think that Bryce Young goes number one overall, but beyond that, I'm not placing any bets this year. Let's put it that way. Uh, I don't. I can't afford to lose that much money. <laughs> Uh, I, I will will share the anecdote once again that uh, John Dorsey is part of this Detroit Lions front office. When he ran the Cleveland Browns in 2018, they had the number one overall pick. And nearly everyone who covered the team went to bed Wednesday night before that draft and did not know that they were taking Baker Mayfield number one overall. And uh, I'm not sure that John Dorsey has the biggest influence in the room uh, upon Brad Holmes, but from what we've seen in the first two years, John Dorsey's influence on the control of information uh, is something that Brad Holmes has clearly embraced. So uh, just just look, it's tough for me to not know um, because I want to know. I want to know. Um I liked it when I knew that Jared Davis was going to be the the first round pick uh, by the end of January back in the day. I liked that I knew that it was either going to be Taylor Decker or Ryan Kelly the very first year that uh, that that bright uh, that uh, Bob Quinn hate saying that name uh, gives me chills. But uh, we knew that it was going to be one of those two uh, coming out of Indianapolis at the combine that year in his first draft. Uh, loose lips sank those ships. Uh, so the unpredictability of this is difficult for somebody in my position and those of you who regularly listen to the detroit lions podcast those of you who uh, are on the patreon slack which by the way you need to get into best five dollars a month you can spend um right now they're currently debating whether nachos are a casserole or not uh that's that's a little diversion of the day uh, but i digress uh y'all know that uh i like to pre-write things uh to get the head of the game and this year, I have pre-written, um, and this is this is my way of prefacing that I this is what I think think is going to happen with the Detroit Lions pick at number six. I pre-wrote three guys. I pre-wrote the Lions are drafting Devon Witherspoon, cornerback Illinois, Will Anderson, Edge Alabama, and C.J. Stroud, quarterback Ohio State. And I really do very strongly believe that it will be one of those three that is the actual pick. Now, got to clear things up first. When I say I think that's going to be the pick, that does not mean that's what I would do. Uh, although, 
one of those is actually what I do. Actually, all three of them I would be very happy with. But the difference between what we're projecting will happen and what we would actually do and what our feelings on these players are, they're not the same. Uh, I think a lot of people got lost in that this year, so I, I kind of have to specify it very clearly. Like last year, I had to entertain the idea that they might actually take Malik Willis up uh, until about the just before the combine. We kind of knew that that was going to happen, but I, we still had to entertain the, the concept that they could theoretically still take Kayvon Thibodeau or Sauce Gardner. Um, it didn't happen, obviously, but we had to at least report on those things and report the potential that it could happen, whether we liked it or not. Uh, and that's something that we've had to do a lot this year with a lot of different players. And uh, But again, the pre-race that I did, Anderson, Witherspoon, Stroud. And I think it's in that order of likelihood that it will happen. And uh, Chris and I and Gray, we talked about on on the, uh, the mock draft, how you get Willie Anderson to fall to six? And it's pretty simple, but I'll go over it because I think this is how the top five are going to play out. And I don't know the exact order other than Bryce Young going number one. I do believe Will Levis will be gone. I do believe Tyree Wilson will be gone. I do believe an offensive lineman will be gone, whether it's Paris Johnson to Arizona or Philadelphia trading up to get one of them. Uh, or I, I don't know. Weird things are going to happen. Uh, but I, th- I do think that one of the offensive linemen goes. That leaves Stroud, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, um, and maybe Christian Gonzalez, if, if a team really falls in love with him. But I think that's that's where you're looking at. So the odds are, uh, and I think I still do believe that Jalen Carter is going number five to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I know that uh, there's some some prominent draft people that come out and say that that's not going to happen. Oh, I still think it's going to be Carter. Um, I, I heard that too much before lying season truly kicked into effect. So that I'm, I'm going to go with that. So that leaves, if if it's Willie Anderson, first off, the what I would do mock, which you can check out at Lions Wire. Please check it out uh, because it reflects what I would do if I were in charge of the Lions. I took Willie Anderson at number six, and I'm happy about that. Uh, and I think that the Lions would be very happy about that. Now, is it their biggest need? No, and I don't think that they would reach for a player there at edge that they wouldn't see as a clear and present upgrade over what Josh Pascal offers opposite of uh, of Aiden Hutchinson. And we've talked several times about how much they like they do like Josh Pascal, uh, and they do have John Kaminsky still in the in the in the thing in the on the team. Still got still got Romeo Quar. He still got Charles Harris for another year. He still got James Houston. Uh, emerging as he did at the end of last season. like it, it is literally the position of lowest need on the entire roster. But if you can get it better, they're going to make it better. And uh, I do think they would take Will Anderson if he's there over any other pick, but I cannot say that they would take him over Stroud, uh, specifically Stroud, or Devon Witherspoon. And this is, this is, this is where we have to talk about the Lions board being different than the overall big board. I think the Lions value Devon Witherspoon incredibly highly. I've been led to believe that by a lot of different sources, that he is Aaron Glenn's choice, that he is Dan Campbell's choice of where you would go. Uh, and it, so don't be surprised if it's, it's one of those three players. I'll be honest. I will be surprised if it's not one of those three players at six. 
And what happens at 6 sets up what happens at 18 or where they go from 18 because I, the more I have thought about it and then maybe it's just the idle time that you have between the end of the season and the combine and the pro day circuit and the draft, um, it leaves your mind to wander a little too much. I think they're going to trade out of 18. Um, trading forward makes sense. And then, so this, this is my ideal Lions situation uh, for them to get the players that they would cut. They get Will Anderson at six. Christian Gonzalez goes seven to uh, to the Raiders, which I think could happen. Or they could take a quarterback there. They could take Anthony Richardson or trade out of it. Uh, I think you'll see Bajan Robinson go, and I think you'll see a couple of linemen go. I think you'll see Devon Witherspoon still be sitting there at 10, 11, 12. I think the Lions could move up and package one of their day two picks, probably the first one, along with 18, uh, to move up and get Devon Witherspoon in that range. That that would hopefully ameliorate some of the worries that uh, a lot of you all have about drafting a first-round cornerback. Look, he's still very highly coveted. He's a great player. Uh, there's zero doubt that he will be a, a, a schematic fit as well as a culture fit. Uh, and I don't think that Jeff Okuda was ever really quite both of those, and he was never healthy either, so we never really saw that. Um, which leads me to the point, I would very strongly caution you to not write off taking a cornerback just because Jeff Okuda did not work out. Jeff Okuda isn't in this draft, folks. It's Devon Witherspoon. It's Christian Gonzalez. It's, it's Deontay Banks. It's Joey Porter. It's Clark Phillips. It's a different draft. It's a different scenario. It's a different situation. I know we're all poisoned by that, by the fact that we kept drafting all the first-round tight ends off of different regimes, and it, it just didn't work out. you got to get past that, though, because the Lions are past that. They've made their peace with Jeff Okuda and moved on, and it's not going to... What happened with Okuda isn't going to preclude them from taking Devon Witherspoon or any other cornerback in the first round, for that matter. That's just not how they work. Uh, so, uh, look, I, I understand the trepidation. I get it. I feel it. Um, I have some of it myself, truth be told, but uh, it's something that you're just going to have to swallow hard and, and hope that this this time it does work out better. Uh, that's, that's just the way football goes. But I can absolutely see that scenario happening, where they take Anderson at six, and then trade up to get Witherspoon in the 10 to 12, 13 range, possibly. Probably in a 13, though, because it's the Packers now. Uh, now that they traded with the Jets, they probably got Aaron Rodgers the heck out of our division, which makes me very happy. Uh, let's say they do take Devon Witherspoon at 6. 18 is a tough cookie to crumble there, man, because they're, they're desperate enough to add an edge at that point that it might not be better than Josh Pascal was last year. Might not be better than, than what Romeo Lacour or Charles Harris is. And I'm speaking specifically of Lucas Van Ness because I do think that there is some fire to the smoke that the Lions like him. This guy who didn't start a game at Iowa, not his fault. You know, that that's Iowa Iowa rolls their seniors on, man. They start their seniors. Van Ness was on the field a whole lot. Uh, my issue with it is that he is Bluetooth. He doesn't know how to use his hands. He's hands-free when he plays and he pass rushes. He clearly doesn't have a plan, clearly doesn't know how to use his hands, never got better at it. 
And that's something like if you follow my draft work at DraftWire, if you've listened to me for any time screaming at you on this god awful station uh, and podcast that, that hopefully you love uh, in spite of me, I, uh, I'm a very big proponent of somebody showing pro- progress and a growth arc. One of the reasons why I like Darnell Wright a lot this year, the, the offensive tackle out of Tennessee, is because he wasn't that guy until about the near the end of his junior season. And then it's like it clicked for him and it kept clicking for him as he went forward into his senior season and it continued to click for him at the senior bowl. And I think he's a fantastic prospect and I would love to see him be in the conversation at 18 if he's there, though I don't think they're going to look there. Again, just my thought. But I like that progressive arc and I didn't see a lot of that from Lucas Van Ness. I saw a guy who got stronger but not necessarily better. Uh, that's also another issue that I have with Miles Murphy, another guy that you would consider in this range. Miles Murphy is the same dude now that he was when he was the top high school prospect in the nation and going to Clemson. And that's, I worry about that a lot. So I'm sort of out on that. I don't think that the Lions are out on it, but I'm not sure that they're going to value it there. I do think they would value offensive line there. I know my co-host Chris would disagree. By the way, you can watch Chris along with Scott Bischoff and Michael Gray on the draft show this weekend. Ash will be in there too uh, to, to chase sweaters and all that good stuff. Got great covers lined up for you. Unfortunately, my duties with draft wire um, require my time. I just I won't be able to buzz in. Uh, I might try to leave a comment or two in the uh, in the live stream, but that's that's all you're going to get out of me this weekend. So enjoy what Chris and Ash. Uh, and Sandman will probably be in there at some point. I'm sure Gray will be in there um, chopping away at it uh, and, and breaking down everything and having a lot of fun with it. Uh, so please check that out and enjoy uh, enjoy Draft Weekend here at the Detroit Lions podcast. Uh, and uh, my stuff will all be written content. You'll find that at Lions Wire and Draft Wire. But let's get back to, uh, get back to 18. Offensive line makes some sense. Uh, whether it's Osiris Torrance, the guard out of Florida, whether it could be as early for Steve Avila there. I know there's a couple of mock drafts that have put him there. I, I don't buy that. Um, just don't. It's probably the end of the line of the offensive tackles, whether you're looking at Peter Skaronsky, a guy who's going to have to move into guard, uh, Broderick Jones out of Georgia. Uh, and I don't think you're going to get anybody else to bubble up in there. I don't think they're going to take John Michael Schmitz, uh, the best center in the in the draft, because they have Frank right now. You don't need two centers. Although, Bill Polian, when he was the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, was drafted three centers in the same draft while he still had all-pro center Jeff Saturday on the roster. That's why when when we tell you the weird things happen in the draft, that's one of the things I'm talking about. Like, you cannot predict that a Hall of Fame general manager would draft three centers when he's already got an all-pro there. That's the draft, man. That's, That's the chaos that we're about to embrace. Other positions at 18. Tight end. Yeah, I said it. They could take a tight end, folks. I don't think they will. I would be surprised if they do. But Michael Mayer could very well be the best player available there. And I'm not going to be happy about that. You're not going to be happy about that. Fans aren't going to be happy about that. TJ Hawkinson isn't going to be happy about that. (laughs) But uh, if they're going strictly on best talent, I could envision Michael Mayer being the best player on their board at that point. Again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I can't rule it out. The elephant in the room there at 18 is going to be Hendon Hooker. And that's one 
I know the Lions have done a lot of work on him. No, they've also done a lot of work on Anthony Richardson. And there's a difference between knowing that they've done a lot of work on them and knowing how they feel about them. And I am not the least bit uh, deluded enough to think that I can say how they feel about those players. But I know they've done their homework on them. If they like what they saw from Hendon Hooker, and if they're okay with him being an effective medical redshirt until he's 26 years old, he could go at he could absolutely go at eighteen. That would not shock me at all, and I also wouldn't hate that pick. It's a little higher than what I would have him valued, but I get it. I do think, and I've said this on several podcasts lately, if he was twenty two years old and healthy, he'd be a top ten pick, maybe even a top five pick in this draft. And I don't think many people would argue about it, but he's not. And if you see the value in it. Let's see, where's where there a GM who's got a history of taking value because players are injured and, and taking that risk? Sounds like Brad Holmes, right? Not saying, just saying. Other positions that could go there. Defensive tackle is early for Brian Brissy, Breezy, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I think it's early for him. Probably early for my guy Keanu Benton, though I wouldn't hate that. Uh, it's probably early for all those guys. I think you're going to see a D2 defensive tackle uh, with this team. I think you're going to see, again, edge isn't the pressing need then. I, I do think they would, would consider other positions. Their wide receiver, I don't know, man. Like I, And and as we explained the other day, uh, it doesn't have anything to do with Jamison Williams and his six-game situation. Uh, this is a team... If you can't live without Jamison Williams for six games, you're not the playoff team that a lot of us think you are. Uh, and if you can't get, if you can't milk six weeks of adjustment out of Ben Johnson with the talent that he's got, that includes Marvin Jones coming back, Keely Freeman, who uh, was quietly pretty good last year. If you don't think that's going to work, you're probably a little higher on Ben Johnson than you probably should be. I, I think they're going to be fine on that. But they do need something there. Um, whether it's a wide receiver with some size segment that can make a play outside the tackles, whether it's a true slot receiver, uh, a quicker-than-fast guy that c- can control the middle of the field, work in tandem with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, let you move Amon Ross around. Those are those are possibilities there. Probably this, is, this isn't a great wide receiver draft, and uh, taking your number two or number three wide receiver at number 18 overall, that's not a very good value either. Obviously, if if they need a cornerback here, um, Brian Branch would be ideal for me. Uh, I love the guy. Uh, I have him rated higher than this. Uh, people get hung up the, the fact that he's, he's listed as a safety. He's he's CJ Gardner Johnson, folks. That's that's the role that he plays. <laughs> the, excuse me, the slot heavy slot safety nickel overhang type guy at Alabama. They call it the star. He played the star. Was very good there. He also played the money role, which is more of their linebacker slash safety. He has played some single high. He's played some split. He's played some outside corner. And by the way, looked very good at doing that. This is a piece that I would absolutely consider that, that they should bring in. Uh, he was my pick at 18 in the what I would do mock draft. And I don't think it's absurd to think that the Lions would see it that way either. But Deontay Banks, uh, I will tell you, again, I preface this by saying, I don't know that I don't know. I don't know what I don't know here. Uh, 
but I have been led to believe that they value Deontay Banks higher than they value Christian Gonzalez. And some of that might not. Again, you got to be clear on these things. The way that I phrased that question to the person who answered it to me and made me think that could probably sense my bias that I personally think that. I personally believe that they rank Deontay Banks higher than Christian Gonzalez. And the <laughs> the person that I had that conversation with uh, just after the combine uh, certainly led credence to my belief that the Lions do believe that. But again, I can't look. As I said before, you don't know with John Dorsey. You don't know with him in the room what, what you know and what you don't know and what to believe and what not to believe. But I'll just state that there, that I, that's my belief that they would value Deontay Banks more than they value Christian Gonzalez. And if he's there at 18, I, I would certainly think he's one of the big front runners to be taken there. I mean, you got to Nolan Smith, I think, is going to be gone. I'm not sure that he necessarily fits what the Lions are looking for. Uh, especially if they can't get like if you if you're not sold that Willie Anderson is an answer, you're really not going to be sold that that Nolan Smith is the answer. Um, yeah, it becomes very tough. I would love for them to trade back there, and I think certainly they're going to have opportunities to trade back, whether it's with Minnesota coming up to land in Hendenoker or a team coming from I don't know the middle of the second round to move up and and do what the Lions did last year and going up to get uh, to get JMO like that's. Nobody predicted that. Nobody saw that coming um, other than to keep to lead. Good on you, dude. So uh, we'll learn together on that one. But uh, that that's what's going to be Thursday night. Uh, I love Thursday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. Again, please tune into the draft show here at the Detroit Lions podcast, the live stream. It's it's awesome. Um, uh, again, you won't have me to deal with, but you will have uh, Chris, Ash, uh, Gray, Bischoff. Uh, the, the gang will all be here. Sam is probably going to jump in hopefully at some point. Might give it an appearance from Collar or some other regulars that are in the slack. Let's bring it here together. Let's go. 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 Let's